Welcome. This is the Life Habits Podcast Series, and my name is Carl Vredenberg. This is the series that helps you to learn new habits to optimize your life in order to stay sane in this crazy world. This is episode number 59, and the topic for today is listener questions. I had mentioned in a previous podcast toward the end some comments from the Australian iTunes store where Terrence had made some comments about some things that he really liked about the podcast series, and he also made some suggestions for further improvement of it as well. And one of the suggestions that he made was as follows. A quick questions and answers style podcast, taking a question and giving a five-minute response and then moving on to the next question that is based on lifestyle topics. So Terrence, I want to thank you for that suggestion. That also prompted me to ask on a previous podcast for those of you who have questions to send them in to me. I also asked that question on the social networking sites as well. And I have three questions that we'll be going through today. Now, these questions and others in the future, I would think as well, may be a little different than the kinds of feedback that I typically read toward the end of one of these podcast episodes in that the questions may be a little bit more personal and more, you know, directly related to a listener's day-to-day life. And as a result, I've decided to use pseudonyms for the names of the people that I'll be referring to in the questions that uh, I'll be addressing today. If the feedback is positive on doing these again in the future, then I advise you and ask you to send in your questions. And you might want to specify uh, in cases where you would really like to have your name used, then I could use your name during the session. But I think failing that, I'll just use a pseudonym instead. So the first question comes from Janice, who writes, Hi, I'm really enjoying your podcasts. I'm seeking a bit of advice. I'm currently an assistant manager at a large retailer. I have great work ethic, I'm I'm personable, etc. But when it comes to communicating verbally, it's like I know what I want to communicate, but sometimes the words just don't jive. I'm a really good coach and enjoy developing staff, but when it comes to one-on-one disciplining, for example, this is where I stumble. This is affecting my confidence and also affects the employee's confidence in me. Any ideas? Thanks. I also had a follow-up with uh, Janice, and she made the additional comment as well and sent some additional material along, saying, in my decision-making process, I am slower and more methodical in my thought process and need the facts. When I don't have the facts and have not had time to think about an issue, I communicate in a way that may sound unsure or make snap judgments. So in summary, the key issues that Janice is asking about are surrounding being good, with the positive one-on-one communication, but having a challenge with conflict or difficult topics, and also having a problem with rapid decision-making, which feels unnatural given her comfort level. So for each of these areas, I'd like to suggest, first of all, some previous episodes that we've gone through together that relate to the question being asked So in this case, there's just a few podcasts that I think relate to a variety of the issues that we're dealing with here. First of all, episode number 11, 
on interpersonal communication is one that I would recommend that you listen to again. In particular, I talked about the issue of choosing the appropriate tone. Maybe appropriately calm and assertive and not being aggressive in your communication style. Episode number 15 on achieving success talks about also just doing it, acting before you think some of the time and taking risks. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Episode number 29 on leadership talks about still being authentic. Episode 32 on self-confidence talks about when you act confident and like yourself, others become convinced too. And lastly, episode 49 on assertiveness. Own your own statements. Say I when that's appropriate. So I've just pulled out highlights of particular top 10 items in each of those podcasts that relate to, I think, the items that we're talking about here. But I'd really like to suggest that as a fairly common set of challenges that some of us have in communicating. We have an ability to speak with others and be quite comfortable in situations where we know the people well or we're dealing with, you know, positive topics and things are quite collegial and quite comfortable. A number of people have a challenge when you get into a situation where you've got to deal with an issue that is more troubling, that is more difficult to communicate, and that has a lot of emotion around it as well. And the approach, as I've pointed to in the various previous episodes also, talks about that you really need to start by thinking about how you're going to handle a particular situation like this well before you get into the situation. You need to think about the approach that you want to take, the tone of voice you want to take, the level of assertiveness that you want to convey. And you want to use your body language, you want to use the the tone of voice. And even when you're in an environment where you are normally quite the coach and quite the, you know, have a friendly relation, uh, let's say, Janice, with your staff, there are times when you have to assume, you know, a real managerial perspective and communicate that you're now in that environment and that you have to now communicate using a different approach and a different tone, a different body posture, etc. So I, I would suggest, first of all, that you think through the approach that you want to take in those difficult conversations before they happen, and then also practice those. You know, if you're having a challenge with them, if you're going to have to discipline someone, think through the words you're going to use, think of how they might react and how you might react to that, and practice, practice, practice that before the situation arises. You'll over time, get more and more experience with doing this. But the first instances that you are doing that in a in a new role as a leader, I think it really does take some level of practicing beforehand and rehearsing before you get into this situation. And the other thing is that you still need to make sure that you're authentic, make sure that you're communicating, that you're listening carefully to what the other person's saying, so you're not just uttering the words that you would like to express, but that you understand where they're coming from, but that you also assertively point out the topics that you'd like to convey to them as well, and the expected action that you also expect to see. This is often a difficult situation if you are promoted to a leader within an existing organization that others around you have to now accept that some of the time now you won't just be on the same level with them 
that you're also going to be in a more authoritative position as well. And they have to accept you that way. And the way that they need to accept you that way is that you need to actually act that part. As the item in the self-confidence episode talked about, and if you act confident and you also play the role and act the role of being the confident, assertive leader, manager, then you'll also be perceived, you know, that way as well. Now, the other item that you talked about was this experience of being and having more of a style where you like to think thoroughly through topics before you make a decision and that you're finding that you're in an environment where you're expected to make decisions more quickly and you're not feeling comfortable with that. I think this is a whole other area that, again, while it's unique to your own experience right now, and there's certain aspects to it, I'm sure, that are unique, there's also a general trend here toward if you find yourself in early on in a career, there are certain things that you like to do in a particular way and that you find with either being promoted higher to higher sort of band levels or you're now in an environment where you're more senior and you need to be working in a different way, I think that it's very common to experience the challenge of having to change your method and style of working. I used to, for example, in preparing presentations, I used to spend all kinds of time early on in my career doing that, and I would rehearse them, I would do all kinds of preparation uh, for days and days and days before a presentation, whereas uh, my current job is such that I don't have the time to do that. And so I just had to learn to more quickly put presentations together, for example, a lot of the time being able to also stand up and speak off the top of my head with regard to a particular topic and not have any real preparation at all uh, on the topic. So to a certain degree, again, it's a matter of, as I uh, referenced in terms of the achieving success, that some of the time you just have to get now comfortable with making decisions more quickly. And a lot of the time you'll actually be right. You'll know in your gut what directions you need to be going in that you don't need to necessarily analyze to the nth degree a particular issue before you act. A lot of the time, you've already done that analysis. You already have an appreciation of the topic deeply enough that you could actually make a more rapid decision. It's just that you're not used to it. You're not comfortable with it. And so while early on, it's going to feel uncomfortable doing that, I think forcing yourself to think faster, making some decisions faster, I think will give you the experience of really getting comfortable with that. And are there going to be instances when you actually make mistakes? Yeah, there will. And you'll learn from those. But you know what? You'll also be making mistakes some of the time if you spend a lot of time doing a deep analysis and finally coming up with a decision as well. So increasingly, try to trust your own judgments more. When you know a topic fairly well, in your career, you can often come to decisions more quickly. You just have to get more comfortable with making those decisions faster. So I hope those ideas provide some insights for you to try. Uh, Do get back to me too, if that um, worked in certain ways and if other ways it didn't. Uh, But that's my advice with regard to that series of questions, Janice, that you sent along. Moving next to Sophia, who writes... I've been wondering, do you have any advice on managing anxiety, the kind that keeps us from getting things done? 
Also, I've recently become aware of how a trauma can stunt an individual's psychological growth, and I'm wondering if you have any advice on how to address the issue so that one can move forward and continue to grow. Thanks for the opportunity to have some input. I really do love how interactive you've made this podcast series. So thanks so much, Sophia, for that. So the focus of the topic that you're asking about is really on managing anxiety that gets in the way of getting things done and that that's a problem for you and dealing with trauma and that can affect you in a variety of ways and affecting your psychological and personal growth. I'd first suggest that, again, I don't have a lot of detail in what you sent with regard to these topics, but the topics that we deal with in this overall series can range from ones that you are entirely able to deal with in a self-help kind of format where I provide some advice and ideas and on this podcast series and that that's quite appropriate given the intensity or given the the degree of the problem let's say but there are other situations and other problems that you experience that you really do need to seek professional help for as well and it's hard for me to tell when you have sent me a uh, a set of questions like this the degree to which the the trauma in this case for example and the level of anxiety that you're experiencing so i would first like to suggest that you determine the degree to which you are having difficulty with these uh, topics and if they are in fact at a level that doesn't feel like it's uh, something that you can handle on your own that I would advise that you seek you know professional help as well but I wanted to beyond that suggest that there are some previous episodes that we did touch on a variety of topics that I think will help with regard to the topics that you've raised here Sophia the first is episode three on staying positive dwelling on the negative is destructive Episode 19 on forgiveness and compassion, understanding who is most hurt by not forgiving, especially in situations where you may have experienced a trauma that uh, involved another person, for example. Episode 24 on managing stress, understanding your circle of influence and getting comfortable with what things you can change, what things you can't. Episode 26 talked about resilience and also the importance of a support system, your friends and family, and relying on people you can trust. Episode 42 talked about sleep, food, mood, and exercise, and talking about the influence that food has on mood and performance, and also the importance of exercise and sleep, for example, on counteracting a lot of the negative effects of stress as well as experiences with with trauma. And lastly, episode 54 provided a a set of relaxation exercises that you can do during the actual podcast itself when you listen to that episode 54 to get yourself really relaxed, to take the anxiety level that you may be experiencing that is affecting your performance in the way that you described, Sophia, and getting it to a lower level of arousal. Now, the way our systems work is that if you are experiencing a high level of anxiety, your autonomic nervous system is working in overdrive, and you are, as a result, narrowing your psychological uh, focus or psychological acuity. So you can only pay attention to a smaller 
area of focus when you're really anxious. So what you need to be able to work on is lowering that arousal level by doing things like controlling your breathing, as I've suggested before, as being a very straightforward and fairly effective set of uh, activities that you can use anywhere. And the relaxation exercises in episode 54 provide you even more deep capabilities for getting relaxed. Now, as I also pointed out earlier to Janice, what's also important here is to practice, practice, practice. So if you're experiencing a level of anxiety, especially in situations where it is particularly challenging, and we usually have a variety of situations where we're not all that anxious, and there may be situations where we're particularly anxious. So if there's a particular environment and experience that you're about to have, let's say it's, you know, in your job that there's a presentation you need to give, there's a person you need to speak with that you know is a particularly anxiety-provoking one, that's where you need to, prior to that experience, practice your getting relaxed using the techniques I just spoke about and then get to a point where you can visualize going through the actual experience, staying relaxed. And then when you're going to the actual situation, just before you get there, also do your breathing, get your mind in the right frame, and then carry out the actual situation in the way that you've now rehearsed it and you're practicing beforehand in a nice, relaxed fashion. And with most things in life, the more we practice that, the more effective we will become as well. Now, you mentioned the second area of focus of getting beyond an experience of trauma. And while I don't have the details with regard to the trauma that you experienced, when we talked in the podcast episode on forgiveness and compassion, talked about the whole notion that we generally need to be looking into the future. And the way to really focus on the future is to sort of deal with the past. And dealing with the past doesn't mean to dredge it up constantly. It's to actually settle it in your own mind. And the best ways to do that often, or if it involved another person, to forgive them. If it was a particular troubling event, to distance yourself from it psychologically and very, very, very actively be focusing on the future and uh, extinguishing any thoughts that you have that are negative, regardless of where they come from, whether they are made up in your own mind or whether they come from a particular traumatic experience. It's distancing yourself from them and uh, moving forward. So if there are times when that is particularly troubling, do the relaxation exercises that I mentioned. I've also talked before about other ways of distracting yourself as well. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast right now, this is a way of distracting your mind, focusing your mind on my very words. If you have this podcast playing right now in your headphones, for example, it likely is the case that you can't be thinking about a lot of other things right now while I'm speaking to you and going directly into your brain, so to speak. So if you find that there are times when you really need the distraction, 
from certain troubling thoughts, thoughts that remind you of negative events in the past and you have tried everything else to distance yourself from that and focus on more positive thoughts. Another good practice is actually to use the very mechanism that we're likely using here right now to do that, you know, as well. And as I said, with regard to the first set of questions, do follow up with me if you'd like with regard to these suggestions and see if those are helpful uh, to you. Now, the last question for today's podcast comes from Sandra, who writes, I just found your podcast and absolutely love it. You have knowledge and experience in so many areas and provide advice that is so clear and practical. I heard you ask us to send you any questions we may have. I don't have a question about my own life, but I'd love to know more about you and your life and how you got to where you are and how you know so much. So thanks for that question, Sandra. And the very interesting uh, question. I know we collectively have developed an electronic relationship here over time of these various podcasts that we do together. And a number of you send me questions about your life, and it's a fair enough question in terms of where I come from and what kinds of experiences I've had that have led to some of the advice that I provide here as well. Well, to answer your questions, uh, Sandra, I started off life born in the Netherlands and came to Canada when I was eight years old with my family. And in my early years, really had a dream of being a very successful musician. I was a singer and instrumentalist, did the Royal Conservatory type training in music and really initially wanted to make that a career. And then when I really learned what that was going to be all about, I realized that I wanted to make that my avocation rather than my primary career and decided instead that uh, psychology and clinical psychology in particular was my area of focus. So I spent a good amount of undergraduate and graduate time focused on all of that. I also did clinical internships as well during that uh, time period. And uh, toward the end of that time period in uh, my PhD program, I also was approached for some additional work that I had been doing on uh, looking at the affective and cognitive reactions, that's emotional and thinking types of reactions to displaying certain stimuli for uh, and on a computer screen, which got me interested in human-computer interaction and what aspects of designs of user interfaces were particularly effective and which types were not for the people who were experiencing them. I did a number of uh, studies on looking at computer phobia, as it was called at the time. I developed an instrument for assessing it. I did some work on designing user interfaces that reduced the anxiety level that people had in using with computers, and also looked at galvanic skin response and heart rate reactions and the like to user interfaces that were more effective at being calming and being effective at communicating what they needed to communicate as opposed to being stressful. And so that led to me being approached by a large multinational company in the computer industry and was asked to take on a position of defining and then uh, spreading the appropriate design and user feedback kinds of approaches and methodologies across that company. And I have been doing that work ever since. 
and am now the director uh, responsible for that kind of work and still really trying to provide a mechanism whereby the design of products and systems are optimal for humans and making sure that humans can interact effectively with those types of uh, technologies. And so I tell that story partly in response to, Sandra, your question, but also just to reinforce some of the other messages that we've been going through in this podcast series as well. We talked about the importance of mentoring and exploring particular areas of career development before you get there. And so when I was in music, I had a certain notion of what the whole music industry would be like. One of the ways that I actually learned that I didn't want to do it as a primary career, but really as an avocation, was really going and approaching professional musicians and people who were directly in the business to be able to understand what it was really all about and was it something that I really wanted to do. And I discovered that with that insight that uh, didn't really want to make that the primary thing that I wanted to do. And my true love was in working directly with people and trying to really improve the human condition in a variety of ways. And that included doing psychology. It also included doing that in ways that were technology mediated, which of course includes this podcast series and also the work that I do ensuring that the Computer systems and other forms of technology are designed optimally to work for humans as well. So all of that sort of came in together. Also, the topic that we've covered in previous podcasts as well, and that is that people that are early on in their careers often think that people that have achieved a certain level of success had a direct path to that success, that they had a notion of what it is that they wanted to do, and they just went for it and achieved it, and it was a straight path for them. When in actual fact, when you understand more about various career paths that people have taken, you know, it's usually a more circuitous path. But it also isn't the case that you just go down one path, and then you stop all learning in that area, you go to a new area, and you, you know, just start afresh in that new area. Typically, it's the case that you build your experience from one area or domain of knowledge to the next one. And I certainly believe that what I'm all about today as a professional is really a combination of the academic training that I had in a couple of different uh, career areas, you know, and really putting that together with the perspective of constantly being curious, constantly reflecting and observing what others are doing and you know, taking stock, you know, of your own life as well. But it's truly a a building upon previous experiences and previous knowledge that really, I think, makes us who we are. And if you're passionate about the various areas of interest that you have and you pursue those actively, you also start to build up, I think, a combination of capabilities that then makes for greater success. Reminded of a a friend of mine from high school who went into being, he was a good artist, he went to art college and decided that that wasn't necessarily what he wanted to do. And then he went into doing a specialization in medicine. And after doing the first stage of medicine, decided to specialize and specialized in plastic surgery. And now here is a case where he 
came to the first phase of his career of looking at art. Then he went into medicine. Then he combined the two together into being a very successful you know, plastic surgeon. So I think the lesson in all of this is that if you're early in your career, I'd like to encourage you to constantly seek out others that are in the area that you're pursuing. Look in, do mentoring sessions with people that are in that area. Also really evaluate as you go, whether it's really what it is that you wanted to do. And if you want to take another, you know, career path, a career direction, you can certainly do that and then build upon the experience that you had in your previous one as well, all the time taking stock of where you are, what you're learning, what you still want to learn, and how do you integrate everything that it is that you have been, you know, learning and doing. So anyway, that's my uh, quick story of kinds of things that I've been into, Sandra. Let me know if you have any further uh, questions about any of that as well. And let me know too, all of you, whether you think this format of doing a question and answer kind of session based on very specific questions that each of you ask, whether this is something that you think is effective. Because as you know, try to be responsive to the suggestions that you all provide on this overall podcast series to further improve it and satisfy your desires for it as well. Now, just before we finish up, it's a little bit of feedback that I want to get to. I do read all of the feedback that I get in the variety of forms. So you can send email to lifehabits at gmail.com. You can also provide feedback on lifehabits.net on the website itself. You can also provide uh, feedback and ratings and comments right in iTunes in whatever country you live. So let me go through a little of that feedback. In the Australian iTunes store, Dom gave the podcast series five stars and says, I still can't believe this podcast is free. I've written to Carl before via email to share my thanks, but I'd just like to leave a note here to let everyone know that this series is gold. If you are interested in self-improvement or are finding that you're a bit stuck in your life, then there is probably a podcast or two here for you. Keep it up, Carl. Dom. Thanks ever so much, Dom, for that. I really appreciate it. And in the U.S. iTunes store, there's a five stars from Margaranita, who says, I love this podcast. I'm really into your program as it is both enlightening and helpful in dealing with life issues. Keep going. I love it. And lastly, via email from Katya says... I started listening to your Life Habits podcast about three weeks ago and wanted to let you know how much I appreciate it. I've been listening to at least an episode a day, sometimes more, and have found them to be extremely useful. I'm very impressed by the range of topics, the insights you provide, and the practical nature of the advice. I often walk home from work, and listening to your show on the way has become one of my favorite parts of the day. Thanks again for the wonderful work you're doing. Well, thanks so much, Katya. And everyone else that has contributed to the questions that we've gone through in this podcast and also the feedback on it as well. Let's keep up the dialogue. Let me know how this uh, went for you, both the people that I answered the questions for, as well as any of you who may have gleaned some insights from it as well and have any other further suggestions for further improvement. That's it for this episode. We'll talk to you all next time. And bye for now.